Coop's house. Whoa, 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 wait. We we can see each other now? Can you see me? I can see you. Can you see me? I can see you, but can you? You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, the daily podcast over your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Anthony, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a UHF fan or just a hater, can stop by. Please be sure to subscribe and download the podcast each day, place the Cougs all year long. If you're subscribed, our show should pop up in your feed each day, so you make sure to make Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. And welcome to the YouTube channel. Yes, we're excited here at Locked on Cougs to get things up and running. It's nice to be able to see one another. That, that's kind of nice. It's a whole different vibe here with Locked on Cougs. We can interact and leave comments, or you can interact and leave comments. Be sure to subscribe to the channel, like the video, and leave a comment each day. Uh, as for new things on the YouTube videos, one thing is like every 250 subscribers, I think we're going to give something away, like a five slam, a jam, a t-shirt, or something from QNIL or, or something. But to be eligible, you need to be commenting on videos, so be sure to hit subscribe and comment. And if you can't think of anything to say, tell us whether or not you think a hot dog is a sandwich or something like that. Today, we're going to give you two options of what to listen to. Uh, first, here you'll find a full breakdown of the Houston Cougar football game in which the Houston Cougars escaped in dramatic fashion with a big win over the Temple Owls. Uh, in the final segment, we'll talk... <clears throat> Excuse me, I should say, in the first segment, we'll talk offense, which was positive. That was a good thing. That was a good thing, right? Uh, in the second segment, we'll talk defense, which was uh, mm, notably not positive, right? Uh, and then in the third segment, we'll talk about things that we can take away and fixes to look forward to getting right as we head into Eastern Carolina. If football is not your bag, you want to go check the other episode that comes out today and check out a full review of the Friday night game against, in the Houston basketball team against the St. Joe's uh, St. Joe's Hawks, I would say Owls, the Temple Owls, the St. Joe's Hawks, and getting ready for Monday night against Oral Roberts. But for this episode, stick with football, let's stick on a positive note and look at the offense. First of all, I thought it was interesting that Houston was able to get vertical without like having to run deep routes. Now, the offensive line only allowed two sacks <clears throat> and one hurry, which I thought was interesting and a big, big development for them, especially a big part of that was because they were able to get away with getting so many things underneath, right? It looked like they were able to get things underneath, but again, like Tank Dell got 12 catches for 98 yards, but almost all of his catches were within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage, um, catching short underneath throws, and then able to take them the distance, right? So they run the short underneath stuff, dink and dunk kind of stuff, takes it vertical. Uh, Sam Brown only had one catch where the ball was in the air for more than 10 yards. Um, Chris Trahan only had two catches for 19 yards, but one of his catches was a fake screen touchdown. We saw... Uh, Sam Brown come underneath and take the screen in a similar spot to where they had run it in the second quarter, right? They ran a screen to Sam Brown underneath in the second quarter. Houston was able to get it to him and got down inside the five yard line later in the game. I think it was the third quarter going the same direction, ironically on TV, right? Um, they faked, they pumped the screen. Sam Brown jumped up and faked getting the ball. They went over the top of him to Chris Trahan. And ironically, that was still just like a 15 yards in the air throw. However, it was like a very, very pretty and well-placed ball. Now, Clayton Toon did end up throwing 29 for 40 with 289 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick. The one pick did hit his receiver, and I, you know, without bashing on Keyshawn Carter, I, I feel like <clears throat> that's not necessarily 
entirely his fault, right? This is not necessarily entirely his fault. I don't know. I'm not sure I'm going to write that off as a problem with him. Um, but the positive to me was they were to turn these short dink and duck things into big gains. And that takes a lot of pressure off the old line and obviously takes a lot of pressure off of what Houston's trying to do and opened up a lot of the things. Part of the reason they're able to do that bluntly is because the running game was so, so strong. Clayton Toon had his own 11 carries for 29 yards and a touchdown. He had a lot of called runs. I would still like to see more called runs. If you've been listening to the show for a minute on audio, you know that that's been a big thing. I've been beating the drum on, right? Is that I would like to see more Clayton Toon design runs. They had a couple. I'd like a few more. He had a couple scrambles as well and some key moments. Uh, the, the big running back was obviously Stacey Snead. Remember, Stacey Snead had 11 carries for 143 yards and two touchdowns. Snead had one fumble that almost felt like it was going to cost use in the game. But along the way, like I think we kind of obviously got over that at some point, right? Um, now, Stacey Snead did have all that like off-tackle kind of stuff where he's going off the tackle, then to the hash number sidelines. He had really, really big speed. But he had a lot of his big runs, if you like look at the data, actually starting between the tackles, like between the guards and the A-gaps. And I thought that was really interesting because that's kind of a change. I say change. It's, it's a little bit of a change what we've seen from him so far. And and bluntly, I really think it's interesting that like that's kind of what we saw more of Campbell, the running back before Stacey Snead, before, you know, come in and do those kinds of things. And then Stacey Snead had kind of become more of the outside back and he, he brings his game back inside. The other big thing on the running game was we saw Tejon Henry come back. Now, Tejon Henry coming back, he only got four carries, was on a relatively limited snap count. And I think even the other snaps he was in, he felt more like a decoy, like the defense kind of like, oh God, Tejon Henry is back, right? We got to figure something out. And it ended up not being like his biggest day, but I think it's an overall good sign, right? It's a good sign that they had Tejon Henry back in the game. And on the whole, I think we need to credit the offensive line, all five big guys up front for having such a great run game, for having so few moments where we're worried about, you know, sacks and quarterback hurries and all that kind of stuff. Because frankly, like that's the guys that we don't like think about as like very necessary. And the Holgerson offense, Holgerson's offense is entirely based on like running to open up the outside, to open up the big t- over the top kind of stuff. Houston didn't have to go to the over the top kind of stuff. And I feel like that's in large part. Mm, I don't want to say too much. I just, I feel like on the whole that probably had <coughs> more to do with like Houston being prepared, right? Houston being over the top prepared for, to take advantage of all the underneath stuff because they knew they're going to have that, a, the uh, propensity to win up front, right? They had wins at each of those spots. I mean, you look at pro football focus, each of those offense line had very, very highly rated games, uh, the run game, Stacey Snead had over 90, right? That's tremendous if you're looking at the way that those things rank out. And there's a lot of upside and things to build on off of the running game for Houston. Now, speaking of upside, uh, <coughs> upside is bringing today's show to you as well. Inflation has us all thinking about ways that we want to cut back or that's driving less, standing out less, or buying less from the grocery store. We can all agree there's nothing fun about less. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With Upside, I don't have to cut back because I get cash back on every purchase. To get started, you can have the free Upside app. Use promo code Locked On and get $5 or more cash back with your first purchase of $10 or more. Next claim, whatever you're going to be buying on Upside, check in at the business pay as usual with a debit or credit card. And in comparison to credit card rewards, loads programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users have been earning more dollars for every week 
That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the Apple App Store. Download the free Upside app today. Use promo code LOCKED to get $5 more cash back in your first purchase, $10 more. That's $5 more cash back in your first purchase, $10 more using promo code LOCKED. As a Texan, I feel like I have to tell you that using that for gas is a great, great way to save some money at the pump. Now, while the running game wasn't upside, I don't know that we can like just skate by and think about like none of the negatives from this game. Now, <laughs> admittedly, if I were to look at like the Houston defense and talk about like things that they did poorly or things that they did wrong, uh, it wasn't as bad as the week before, right? <laughs> the week before, Houston defense, notably, if you're new to the crew, gave up 77 points to SMU. Um, that's 11 touchdowns for the folks counting at home or dividing by seven. Um, and so I guess technically giving up, you know, half as many, less than half as many touchdowns feels good. <laughs> feels good to say the least. Um, but I did, I did feel somewhat vindicated in watching this game because well, it felt like for a moment Houston was going to lose before the big, big throw and catch to Matthew Golden down the stretch with like less than half a minute left to win the game. It, it felt like he was going to lose for a minute there. And I even tweeted out that I thought it felt ominous that Temple was down six and driving and then they got the full seven, right? Um, I, I did tell you how it was going to happen, right? You go back, check the tape, roll back, right, roll back. Um, I told you that they were going to have short throws, long runs, right? I told you that EJ Warner was going to get the ball out fast. I told you that it could be doing RPOs to a backside slant. I told you that like, this Sadie running back that they have at Temple was good enough to give U of H problems, right? Um, 59 passes thrown by EJ Warner, more than 30 of those passes, like 32 of those passes, if I'm counting correctly, were thrown where the ball was in the air for less than 10 yards. That's more, that's notably more than half of the balls where the air ball is in the air for less than 10 yards. Um, through seven of the balls were behind line of scrimmage. So on the whole, you're looking closer to more than two thirds, really, if you're getting to that, are short short throws right short short throws and the is- issue isn't that they're doing that their only big completion was a like play action over the top to jose Barrett, right and like he's fast whatever they're in play action it was early in the game second quarter like in the second quarter and my issue isn't that they do that it's that houston had the weapons to stop that right i thought that part of the reason that would play into houston's advantage and why i was talking about that during the week last week is that Houston would have this potential to really get after it a little bit because knowing that's what they wanted to do at Temple, you could press up your corners, right? Press up your corners, pull down your safeties, take away the underneath stuff because (coughs) whenever Temple had gone over the top, it felt like this season when they've had to go over the top that the balls were wobbly, they were in the air a long time, and that E.J. Warner had had trouble dealing with pressure when he had to throw the ball after his third step. Right. And so like, if I'm looking at Houston in that sense, Houston's got great pass rush, like sack Avenue, the D line is as good as it gets in the NCAA. Right. (coughs) And so if that's as good as it gets in the NCAA, my thought initially is that like, huh, very suddenly I'm thinking like, Oh man, if we can just, Take away that first cut that first they got force them to make a double move, basically make force them to make it go over the top down the field. Like, will they give up some big plays? Maybe, right? Maybe. But also, that's when you know DeAnthony Jones, Nelson Caesar, Dot and Wonko, all those guys get after the quarterback a little bit. 
and theoretically that helps Houston out, right? The other thing that would do is it would take away the run game because you've got more guys in the box, more guys line scrimmage, and like all the Sadie run plays were trying to get outside. And so bringing all those guys down line scrimmage would theoretically help with that as well. That's not what Houston did. Um, bluntly, the pass rush was really, really strong. He just got the ball out in the third step a lot. And what I mean by that when I say he got the ball in the third step is, first of all, he's just starting the shotgun for like 92% of snaps per pro football focus, right? So like that's most of the snaps in the shotgun. And then if he's in the shotgun, that means he takes three-step drop. That's really roughly seven, eight yards from line of scrimmage. The likelihood of a defensive lineman with no offensive line in front of them and getting to a quarterback that fast is pretty pretty insane, right? And so that Houston got a sack and a couple of hurries is, you know, credit to them, right? Credit to them because that's not necessarily like a scheme that's going to help them in the long run. But I think that had they forced those receivers to like not be open with press coverage or whatever in the three steps, all of a sudden that's more likely going to go in Houston's favor, right? Houston's got the the speed up front. They didn't show that off. Um, instead, they let EJ Warner kind of pick him apart underneath and then let some of those great athletes that, that Temple has kind of wiggle loose. Um, I can't believe Houston didn't pick this guy off. I'm sitting here thinking about this, like how this game happened, what went wrong, and I don't know. I, I just I sit here and I like go back and watch the tape, and I'm like, how did Houston not pick off one of those wobbly balls that the guy was throwing around the air that was in the air for a thousand seconds? And I guess part of the reason is because they didn't force him to throwing those. Um, he wasn't really a running threat. It wasn't like they, they couldn't stack the box for fear of him getting outside or something. And <coughs> I guess I just I don't know. I don't know why why on the whole that was so problematic. For Houston, right? Like, why was that such a big, such a big deal? Um, I will say that the coverage still looks really, really young. Houston's defensive backs still look really, really young. And like, I guess technically it is mid-November. Uh, it doesn't feel like they're allowed to be young anymore. Now, I know I've had a number of injuries and guys are coming in out of the lineup, and like that has led to Houston kind of having to like find out new guys, like. Dabo Mwaniki had a big game a couple weeks ago, but a couple weeks before that, he wasn't seen the field a whole lot, right? Like, theoretically, these guys, you know, aren't hmm, the guys that you think thought were going to be out there when we started the season, right? We talk about, like, preseason expectations were really high for this Houston team. We got a whole bunch of backup defensive backs out there, and maybe that's why they didn't feel like they could press up and force deep 50-50 balls just because maybe Houston's not feeling like they can win the deep 50-50 ball. I just, I just thought this was a week. I, I, I'm at a loss for words because I was, thought this was a week that that could have worked out for Houston. And I thought, frankly, that, you know, the speed was going to be part of Houston's advantage, both offensively with the speed of Tank Dell, the speed of Sam Brown, the speed of Matthew Golden, which we did see work out. And then, <coughs> and then defensively, I kind of thought that, you know, maybe the speed of the defensive line, right, would help out. Uh, we kind of saw Donovan Mooton a little bit exposed, right? Um, Donovan Mooton someone I love. I love his passion, love his energy, the way he leads the defense like a true captain, right, as a linebacker. But this is the second speedy running back that's kind of gotten the better of him, right? We thought, thought about uh, Batie at USF and now Sadie at Temple. And those are both speedy running backs that kind of have gotten the better of Mooton linebacking core. And that's a little worrisome because we're going to see more speedy running backs with Eastern Carolina throughout the season, right? And so, mm, how am I feeling about that one? 
you know, mm, I would would like to see more <laughs> right against Temple. I, I I don't know what you feel, but like I feel like I would have hopefully seen a little bit more run stopping out of that on some of the wider run plays. Now, that's not to say that I feel any less confident about the defensive personnel because again, I was telling us last we had this conversation last week. You're sitting there laughing at me, but I was thinking last week, like, huh, this is kind of how things are going to go. These are the things you're going to want to run. How many times, by the way, did I say that they're going to run RPO with the quick slam on the backside? And then how many times did they then run it last week, right? I guess the one touch, they won quite a touchdown, but the big, their one big over the top pass play that was almost a touchdown second quarter, they ran a RPO to a front side streak route, right? Like a nine route down the sideline. And like out of the, out of the slot, so it wasn't quite sideline, but it was short side of the field. Anyway, I guess I feel vindicated because I was right, but I, I don't understand how we didn't cover it. <laughs> right like i was right but why did we not cover it it was so clearly coming thankfully it all got washed away because of the big touchdown to matthew golden down the stretch obviously the big touchdown to matthew golden down the stretch was like phenomenal he gets behind the coverage uh it's prevent defense how do they let him get behind the, i don't but anyway matthew golden wins the game hometown hero wins the game for houston and that's going to take us to our sponsor nissan Nissan is bringing us this week's thrilling college football moments. Uh, this week's thrilling college football moment is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs uh, behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be that play to Matthew Golden because I just, I just don't know how you can say this guy gets behind Preven defense and not think of it as being this big thrilling moment that just shows off the athletic abilities of one of our young talented Houston Cougars. And it was a great catch at the end of it. He leapt full out extension, pulled the ball back into his body before he hit the ground. Just tremendous athletic ability shown on that play. Uh, this segment has been inspired by the thrilling moment and new designs feature across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in an all new frontier. Our modern pathfinder day available now at NissanUSA.com. Now, that 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 play that play to Matthew Golden, I think, washed away a lot of the negativity from this game. As we're looking at Eastern Carolina next week, that's not the kind of game we're going to have against Eastern Carolina because if if we play that poorly on defense, we're looking at like another sixty spot. And I don't mean that to scare you, right? Like as we sit here and talk about this, like I want to pull my own hair. I got a hat on, so you can't see how far the hairline's going back. But I want to pull my own hair out, right? Because um, the defense continues to give up a lot of points and should not have given up that many points to Temple, but they did. Right. And as we look at Eastern Carolina, now on Thursday, we'll talk about Eastern Carolina in depth, right? Uh, we got some hoops talk between now and then today's football. We got a football and a basketball episode, uh, Tuesday's basketball. Cause we got a basketball game Monday night to recap Wednesday's basketball. Cause we got another basketball game Wednesday night, but Thursday we'll be talking about the East Carolina football game in, in depth, like all football all the time, so, A, Cougs, I hope you stay for all of it. But, B, like, do your research between now and then on Thursday, and let's talk about it on Thursday. Because when I watch this Eastern Carolina football team, I'm worried about a lot of things. <laughs> like, I see an offense that is just as explosive as that SMU offense. I see a lot of play action and airing it out. Uh, I see a lot of play action QB draw, right, where they play action, pump fake, take off, kind of QB draw kind of stuff with a lot of speed. They have a very, very, very strong wide receiver group led by a kid named C.J. Johnson. A lot of talent and speed on the outside from all of their guys. 
And clearly that's the thing that Houston struggle with. Cause we look back at like, even when they struggle to moments, get USF. Uh, I know it's hard to think about the struggles in that game, but struggles against Memphis struggles against SMU, right? Like they've had moments where they struggle with speed on the outside. And this is a game where there's a lot of speed on the outside, but that's not the scariest part. What? Yeah, no, that's not the scariest part. Uh, as I watch this game, I watched two games from East, East Carolina this weekend prepare and try and like, just like I watched it on fast forward because I didn't want to like waste time. I want to watch the plays. I'll go back and annotate and take notes as we get ready for Thursday and watch their game against UCF and the game against Cincinnati, right? Either beat UCF and lost a close in Cincinnati, if I remember correctly. But in both games, they have a very, very fast running back named Keaton Mitchell. Now, We've seen what fast running backs did to our linebacking core last week. We saw what a not-so-fast running back did against our linebacking core at SMU, <laughs> right? And we saw what a fast running back at USF, South Florida, did to us as well. Now, I, <laughs> I'm i worried about what Keith, like Keith Mitchell could get 200 yards on Houston. And, and like the crazy thing is, to do it, have to run past our defensive line. And I think our defensive line is better than their offensive line. Like, I firmly believe our defensive line is better than their offensive line. But to do it, he's going to get to our linebacking core, and that's where I'm where I'm worried. Now, that's the worries initially, especially after the week we just had. Um, to end on a positive note, <laughs> to, end on, to end on a positive note, um, worries aside, I do think Houston should beat Eastern Carolina, right? I do think Houston should beat Eastern Carolina. And as I look at Houston beating Eastern Carolina, I think one thing that sticks out is defensively, Eastern Carolina has given up big plays themselves. And I think that they've given up big plays themselves in large part because their lack of discipline on the outside edges, right? At, at the defensive backfield, as well as in the special teams game, which means that it could be a game where Houston gets to show off potential pro wideout tank Dell right now I'm not tank Dell could have a, a a big time game himself or a big time game because he takes up so much coverage and opens up Sam Brown Matthew Golden etc right but what I've seen out of those East Carolina games UCF and Cincy games is that Eastern Carolina has trouble with straight line speed uh, because they I think underplay it thinking they're gonna play and then don't go over the top right and they have trouble with double moves. Now, when I think about like Tank Dell's best plays of the season, I think about like the way he shook that guy at Navy out of his shoes on the out and in route. So much so that they initially called offensive pass interference and then went back and checked the tape. Like, no, he just shook him that bad, right? Like, that's that's the kind of thing I could see happening for Houston this week is a lot of Tank Dell double moves, which our offensive line's been great for a few weeks now. So, like, let's hope that that keeps up. I could see, you know them overshifting and then letting Matthew Gold run wild in the backside. Oh, cue the touchdown clip from last weekend we just talked about, right? And <coughs> and I feel like um, as we're looking at like plays that Tank Dell can make that other guys can't bank, this is the time when we might get to see Tank Dell come in in like more of a special teams kind of role. Right? Like we might see specific kickoffs or punt returns that we get to have tank Dell on the field for, because like it's a big moment in the game and bluntly against both central Florida and Cincinnati, Eastern Carolina gave up big, big kickoff returns to guys that are not tank Dell fast, 
right? That are not tanked out fast. And I feel like that's a big, big thing for Houston this week. And so if I'm looking at things to take away from the last couple weeks going into this upcoming week, I feel fairly optimistic about it, right? Now, all that is to say that I'll be talking about Houston basketball and football all week long on Twitter. Make sure you find me on Twitter at painswith 512 P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512. If you're watching on YouTube, it's it's right it's right there, which is kind of cool. Thanks, thanks to the YouTube crew for that. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe to this video. Download the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Go check out the Hoops episode coming out today as well. We're talking Hoops because we got a couple games this week early in the part in the earlier part of the week as well. If you're looking for a second listen, right? Thank you for making us your first listen today. But if you're looking for a second listen, let me recommend Locked on Rockets. Jackson Gatlin's doing a great job with that show. The Rockets are having a frustratingly young-feeling season, but Jackson's doing a great job breaking it all down. So make sure to check him out there for your second listen of the day. Again, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much for downloading, subscribing, rating, reviewing, doing all the wonderful things that help out this podcast. Locked on Cougs is a proud member of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Go Cougs!